Hey guys, welcome back to Joko Yo, and you are now at the very end of these podcasts that talk about the founding of our municipalities, and maybe not so much communities, but definitely municipalities. And we've gone through, in the last episode, we went through the last of our towns that exist in Johnson, but you know, you know, what about, what about others? To kick this thing off, if you've lived in Johnston County ever or have been familiarized with the with the people that live here, you'll first off come to see that there's no such thing like any other place. There's no such thing as a typical person that lives in Johnston. Look, Johnston County is not a culture. I don't care how many Joe Co. girl stickers you may see or Joko anything even heck man even Joko yo there's no real such thing as a you know a Johnston County culture there are tons of cultures in Johnston County if you if just just take a look around man that with Johnston County is not all squatted trucks and and it's not all like mules and deer and you know whatever it and acorns and and agriculture Johnston County is is a pretty diverse place you know and it, and and you know you it's it's tempting to say that it's recently that it's been an, only been a diverse place but that's just not so that's not so Johnston's been quite diverse from the from the very beginning if you followed the podcast at all you'll and and you've gone back to the very first ones just the Native American populations all by themselves are quite diverse because we not only had in, in this political geog- or political area of Johnston County, what, by the way, Johnston County's lines, the political lines are completely artificial because really, when's the last time you walked from Johnston County to Wake County and saw a big thick line on the ground, you know? These lines are completely artificial, and they only have really been around since 1746. And even when they were established, they changed several times. And so there's no real such thing as Johnston County culturally. Political? Certain. Certainly, no doubt about that. But those lines, again, so recent that it's really, you know, it just is. you got to draw a line somewhere, I suppose, even if it's in your own mind, but the communities in Johnston are just as different as 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 one community from another community. It's it's they're they're really all different. Again, in this area that we call Johnston, we've seen before the Europeans come and the Africans come, and Asians come. We see that Johnston County has groups of Siouan Native American. We see Algonquian Native Americans. We see Iroquoian Native Americans. And different times when we and we and we see we see evidence and examples of all of that. So, to go more into a recent thing, what about other places? Again, if you if you have been uh, again, like I said earlier, around or familiarized with Johnston County at all, if you haven't, then welcome. This is this is this is your introduction. There are communities in Johnston that you know have existed. But they don't really have even a political line. You know what I mean? Like Benson, 
There are actual town borders. Of course, you don't walk outside Benson and see there's a line that says, ooh, uh, you know, this is outside Benson. But, you know, again, political lines. Just but political lines on a map, if not on the actual physical ground. But some of our communities don't even have that. It seems like, really, in Johnston County's history, it seems like the only really thing that differentiates, say, oh, I don't know, Smithfield from Leechburg is fortune, fate, and the whims of outsiders, perhaps also geography. I'll give you a case in point. Um, you know, not every proposed railroad, as, as we've seen railroads have established so many of our municipalities, not every proposed railroad got established or built. You know, for every, I mean, for every one that we see, there are other ideas because some were even partially built, some railroads, and then stopped before the planned route was finished. And much like today's highways, the planned route for any railroad had to be drawn out on a map and the locations visited and studied before the tracks were even laid. You'd hate to be the guy building a railroad, planning it out on paper, you know, it looks good on paper, give it a green light, and then when your builders start putting down tracks and depots, you find that the paper says, hey, yeah, it's good. But then when you start putting down the tracks, you go out there, you're physically out there, and you see that the paper says, put your tracks on top of a graveyard. Yeah, that's something the paper can't tell you. And why people like R.R. Bridgers went to Four Oaks to scope out the physical area, you know? And even, even if the planning and scoping work, you know, if it works out, you have to hope that the funding does too. Like putting down tracks, establishing depots, buying large plots of land, dividing them into lots and selling them off, that creates millionaires, man. And building the railroad did create lots of millionaires. People are still becoming millionaires this way in Johnston. I mean, all you got to do is look at who's developing the properties and the subdivisions in the northwestern corner, even northeastern corner of Johnston and see people are getting, you know, pretty doggone rich. You might know somebody that sold off their farmland or bought farmland and, and subdivided it and got themselves some pocket change, a lot of it, pretty big pockets. So people are still becoming this way in Johnston, but you have to secure substantial initial funding and you have to stay in budget as best you can if you're going to try to go that route. So much could go wrong and for every successful Atlantic coastline there are probably two railroads that did not make it or made it again part of the way but not the other. People you see a lot of times see dollars, they see dollar bills but like the gold rush that we see in San Francisco and California and earlier in North Carolina, just because you see dollar bills does not mean you're going to get them. And a lot of people are going to go broke. There's a lot of opportunity, but you've got to have cash be, to be putting up. Like, this takes us to the old community that, like, no one even calls it this anymore, but it's really worth mentioning, called Leechburg. Now, if you don't know where Leechburg is, it's not spelled like the little black thing that sucked your blood. It's L-E-A-C-H, Leechburg. Well, that community was near Old Drugstore Road in the Cleveland community, sort of. Um, it was one such place. And, and this old community, I mean, how do we know it was a community? Because there was a, there was a school there. That, that's a good idea. It's called Leechburg Academy. Actually, it's called Johnston Academy, but people in the area call it Leechburg Academy. It had been chartered as early as 1849. 
and funded by a local physician, Dr. James T. Leach. It was partially a boarding school, like the Smithfield Academy was earlier, uh, and, and at the same time, and, and it had teachers from UNC and Wake Forest and Randolph-Macon in Virginia. Leechburg had a church, and that church is still standing, by the way. That church is uh, one of the oldest Methodist churches in the area. It's called Mount Zion. It was found the same area as early as 1809. That's the approximate date. So... If Mount Zion Church was built in 1809 and we see a school, a boarding school in the area not too far away, y'all, we're talking about a pretty old community, not quite as old as Smithfield, but not too far from it. And so this community was, was a pretty good bustling place. And when the Wilmington Weldon Railroad was first conceived, when they first started thinking about putting that railroad through, the original path that they had, what they had drawn on paper, had it going roughly following the same path as modern-day Interstate 40. Now, if that path had been followed, if they went with the original plan, the Wilmington, which was going to be called the Wilmington-Raleigh Railroad, it would have created the municipality of Leechburg, the community would have its actual political lines, and it would have easily been the second-oldest town in Johnston. But money, or the lack of it, of course, get it, gets in the way, and you've got to shift your ideas. So Leechburg didn't get to be. Uh, geography got in the way of another route that would have given the existing community of Arpsboro. It would have given that, that, that community's been around for a long time too. It would have given it physical borders, or not physical, but you know, political borders, and a charter. But the railroad leaders then chose a more northerly route. Um, again, geography just was not working out with them. Um, and so... That railroad that was supposed to come right through Arpsboro, create an, an, an actual place with, with political borders, it, it bypassed Johnston nearly completely. And the planning and the Raleigh and Pamlico Sound Railroad Company instead, because sort of like Selma, couldn't make the land purchase work. They instead bought land from the Whitley family and the Horton family just across the border in Wake, and instead of establishing Arpsboro with a political border, it actually invented the town of Zebulon in 1706, named for former Governor Zebulon v. Vance. And so Arpsboro missed out. Doesn't mean that it wasn't a community. It just means it didn't get to become a town with a charter. The Atlantic and Western Railroad, for example, is another one, wanted to build an extension of its railroad from Lillington and Harnett County to the coastal city of Swansboro. Now, that whole extension never materialized, but it did on paper. They certainly drew that down on paper and even drew out where the depots were going to be. The route was planned out. The depots were, were proposed along that route, and if they followed through and if funding did not get all in the way... They were going to put a depot really close to the modern-day community of Peacock's Crossroads in between the uh, Meadow community and the actual town of Benson. It was going to be called Stoneham Station, not Stoneham as in, you know, throw rocks at him or the other way. Stoneham is spelled Stoneham. It could have been a fairly major railroad junction along the lines of Selma, but again, again, here's another one where it, it, it's, it looks really good on paper. So things are just not destined. And then you have some that actually did start building and they just couldn't finish. 
for one reason or another. I'll give you one, another one, for example. You have the Midland North Carolina Railroad Company in 1882 actually brought, actually put down the tracks, brought a railway connecting Goldsboro to Smithfield, and it tied Smithfield to the United States Railroad Network for the first time. Now, what was neat about this, what was neat about this is that it ran, is that th- these train tracks, and they laid them, can you imagine this, driving through Smithfield? The train tracks ran right smack dab through the middle of Market Street, in the middle of the flipping road. Through the, which, if you don't know, Market Street is now US 70, going all the way into Raleigh. And they laid these tracks right in the middle of the road, with shops on either side, and ended at the Noose River. And a store owner, honestly, could simply walk out of his shop door to the road to the train. Like you could load all your supplies and ship them without having to transport them somewhere else to get shipped. You could walk out your back door, your front door, and put several bales of cotton on the train. And man, if that's not convenient. And so convenient, so so much convenient that it helped to bring Smithfield's population up to 1,000 people in 1886. Now, if you've been keeping along with the podcast, you'll know this is actually before Smith, uh, before Benson, before Four Oaks, before Micro, before Kenley. But then it was pulled up. All the tracks pulled. And, and people protest. You can see the newspapers in the Smithfield Herald at the time. People were protesting. The store owners like are, are saying, you can't do that. You're going to destroy business. But it had to be done because a larger, richer railroad is going to open a new depot on the eastern side of town. And see, that's the thing, too, is that when these railroad companies want to put down depots and tracks, they can't just do it all like willy-nilly. You've got to actually go get a charter from the state. The state general assembly's got to say it's okay. And so whenever you have this train going through, you know, downtown Smithfield, right down the middle of the tracks, and it's, and it's you know, it's, it's a decent-sized company, but then when a the larger, much richer railroad company puts one down, well, then you're not going to have... Uh, a town Smithfield size is not going to have two of those depots, and so it, it, it lost one. And so they pulled up the tracks. The Midland Railroad sort of, uh, I won't say lost its charter, but, I mean, kind of had to surrender it. And a larger, richer railroad opened a new depot on the eastern side of town, making the old one obsolete. And with that being the case, it took all the business that was booming in downtown Smithfield and moved it out further east and sort of dissipated all the business that was coming to Smithfield, but it also spread it out. And so the same train, the same railroad tracks coming to the east side of Smithfield, well, it's going to help to give birth to those towns I mentioned earlier, Micro, Kenley, Forks, and Benson. Smithfield's population is going to fall from 1,000 to 700, and it would take 20 years for it to get back to 1,000. And so, those are the ones that actually had a shot. There are other communities that didn't, did not even get that shot. You know, if you know the community of Broad Slab, if, if you've ever been here, you know Broad Slab exists, has always existed. Not getting a railroad. Meadow. Meadow exists. Has existed for a long time, but, I mean, it was never getting a railroad. You have, again, I've mentioned before, Crocker's Nub, Emit. That's up there in the northern part of the county. What about Corinth? What about Holders? What about Cooper community? What about, what about uh, oh, I don't know, Cleveland community, which, you know, it, it, it got, eventually got its way. 
What about the what about the area of Polenta? What about those areas? Well, I mean, they they it wasn't it wasn't destined. And so and so it's not like well, and I say it's destined. It's really it's not I guess it's not really destiny, it's more like just luck. And that is going to do it for this whole series called What a Tangled Web We Weave. Um, pretty much done with this. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we're going to go into a, back into the old way that we were doing, talking about some of our more illustrious citizens and more illustrious events. I feel like it was necessary to get this out there so that you have a more broader understanding of, of what makes Johnston tick. And uh, y'all, until next time, we out. <laughs>